Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips football podcast as part of the Stay It Again network. We're here for another week of all reviewing of the football that's gone in the last seven days in all of Europe's top domestic leagues. I'm your host Andy and I'm this week back with the regular four. So back with Naeem, Jonathan and Ryan. How is everyone? Good. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Been annoyed. Getting postponed tonight, but yeah, at least we still got one on a weekend, so I can't complain. Yeah, why is that? Because I, I, I don't understand if all of them are cancelled. But what's the reason behind yours being cancelled? Is it because of the London thing or or something else? Yeah, I think police, police and numbers. Because um, I think PS, I think PSV they probably would have brought a good couple thousand fans, and yeah, apparently they can't can't police that. So yeah, we have got to play it nineteenth um, of October, I believe. So the, we were meant to play Man City that um, day, but obviously that's been postponed now. So, yeah, we've got two postponed games in the league that need to be played probably, I'd say, February next year, maybe January. I don't know. Yeah, they aren't going to be played before the World Cup. I don't think there's time before the World Cup starts for um, nah. for those games to go ahead. And um, obviously, we will get into that later on, but also it's been some postponements this weekend in the Premier League, which I find confusing because Chelsea, Liverpool has been cancelled in London, but yet, Spurs, which is quite near Chelsea, but also Brentford, both being allowed to play at home on the same day, the Brentford one. But I think Spurs are the same day, if not the day before. So I'm not sure what those reasons are. But anyway, we are going to head to the league, which had, for me, one of the best games I've ever seen highlights of um, in Italy. So, Ryan, let's talk to you and straight away, let's go into what's, what was a crazy game involving Juventus. Well, as you've mentioned there, there is only one place to start this week. And that's Sunday night in Turin. Now, if you haven't seen the highlights, I'll break it down for you. So Juventus at home to Salernitana, who themselves have had a good start to the season, to be fair to them, currently in 10th. But even with that strong start, you'd still really couldn't see past a comfortable home win for Juventus. But it was anything but that. Before the first half whistle even blew, the away side were tuning up thanks to Kendraleva and a man Jonathan will remember, Christoph Piatek, uh, formerly of Hertha Berlin. Um, in the sem- uh, second half, sorry, summer sign in Berlema, he got one back for Juve before Leonardo Bonucci missed the penalty in the 93rd minute, only to then slot home the rebound. So 2-2, dramatic ending, but, but we're only getting started now because... Juve then got a corner in the 95th minute, of which Arka Dewey's Milik scored from. Very good header. Runs into the crowd, rips his top off in the process. But wait, a few minutes later, the ref is then asked to go to the monitor. And it's judged that Bonucci, after Milik has headed the ball, he went for the header as well, but I don't think he actually touched the ball. But he's deemed to be offside. Although he didn't really touch the ball, the goal is disallowed. Back to 2-2, but wait. Milik is then sent off for a second yellow card for taking his top off in the celebration. There's then a mass bust-up between the players and both benches, which then sees Fazio sent off for Salernitana and Cuadrado for Juventus. Oh, and then Max Allegri, he got sent off as well. And then the game finishes 2-2 in a half-empty Allianz Stadium. That's really poor numbers for Juve in the last few times at home. Um, but after the game, 
it's then shown that Candreva was playing all the Juventus players onside anyway because he was stood next to the corner flag. And it turns out that VIR they did not have that image at the time. So absolutely mental. It's fair to say, obviously, there's been a lot of controversy around that this week in Italy. Not just that, but regarding VAR in general, it's, it's a, not, a lot of Italian clubs are not for it. But it's fair to say, obviously, Juve, they were denied three points unfairly. But on the balance of play, I think a point apiece was probably fair. Solana and Atana were, played very, very well and will feel, obviously, unlucky not to come away with a win. But another thing to note was Allegri out was the seventh top trending hashtag on Twitter last night. Um, so things are not going well at the moment for Juventus. But what else happened? Uh, Napoli and Inter Milan, they both needed 89th minute winners to get wins over Spezia and Torino, respectively. Milan, they defeated Sampdoria away 2-1 after they went down to 10 men with Rafael Leal sent off early in the second half uh, for a second yellow card. On Sunday, every game had at least two goals in it with Udinese continuing their fine form with a win away to Sassuolo, which actually puts them now in fourth place in the league. Wonderful start to their season. Whilst Atalanta were held at home to newly promoted Clemenese. Um, what else? Monza, they sacked their manager, Giovanni Schlopper, after their poor start. Um, things not getting better for them, unfortunately for me. Uh, finally, both teams from Rome got their wins as well as Roma defeated Empoli on, on the Monday night game and Lazio beat Verona with Chiro Mobile on the score sheet as well. But the table currently is as this. Napoli, Atalanta and Milan are all level on 14 points at the top. Udinese just behind them on 13. With Roma in uh, Lazio all following and Juventus currently sitting in 7th, I believe. But Monza still regrettably bottom with just the one point. And in regards to this week's action, the main game is surely Milan against Napoli at the San Siro, with Roma and Atalanta also facing off against each other, which will also be a very, very good game. So I'd say they're the two ones to watch for this weekend. But it's never a dull day in Italy, is it? No, I mean, every week, you know, every week I sort of get half my main news from Syria, to be honest, Ryan, from your Twitter, because you're always very active on it. And I'm always sort of seeing every week there's going to be a different thing that's gone on. That's crazy, whether it's a big title race, whether it's, you know, something's gone on, like what happened last weekend. It's been, it's leaked, I think, the last couple of years. I think it's been a league for years to me that's been, you know, every season, always Juventus. And even before then, in the, you know, the mid 2000s, it was always AC Milan or Inter Milan. But now, mm-hmm. again, to the point where there's, six, seven teams going for it. And I just think that this league has just become really free Juventus's decline has become a really good league. And I think that is hope for other leagues like Bundesliga, like the Premier League at the moment, um, that, you know, teams can dominate, but then that's not forever. And I think we're seeing it now is that we're seeing a really open title race. Um, but one thing I want to ask you on, Ryan, was that um, Vlahovic. Now, he's someone I heard a lot about last season when he's at Fiorentina, you know, then he got the big move in January to Juventus. Um, this season, he scored four and seven in all competitions, um, which are obviously those all being in Serie A. But I'm not hearing much about him in terms of him actually doing anything good. So am I just not hearing about him because he's it's just not something I'm always 
checking on or is there something going on with his form for Juventus? No, there's nothing wrong with his form in particular. Like I say, the goals that he scored have been very good goals. Obviously, two of those were wonderful free kicks, almost identical in two different games. So there's, no, there's nothing down to him whatsoever from, from my view. The, for me, looking at this team, it's almost, it is almost a one-man team. They are struggling in so many areas on the, of the pitch. Obviously, the fans are very critical at the moment of Allegri and his style of play. They're not happy at all. You know, we'll go into in the uh, in the European podcast about last night, but it's not good at all at the moment. They're 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 very they're struggling, as I said earlier, to fill the stadium each week. And that didn't used to be the fact. It used to be very difficult to get tickets for the Allianz Stadium because it's not a massive stadium in terms of capacity. I think it only holds about forty to fifty thousand. But at the weekend it was half empty and same same for last night. So uh, it, part of that is because of the ticket prices. Doesn't help that they have they, they haven't reduced the prices from when Ronaldo left. Obviously, when he came in, they had you know justification for putting them as high as they were. And now fans just are not, not going to pay it. They don't see it as worth it. And when you're struggling to score goals like they are, the fact is there's just no there's no support for Vlahovic. Obviously, they brought in Milik, who has also started well. You know, he's he scores the goals when he's given the opportunities. But there's no creativity in that team there. They desperately need Chiesa in that team. They need Di Maria in there on his top form as well. But obviously the midfield is a is an area area of concern at the moment with Pogba. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Obviously, he's just had his had his operation. So it isn't good. And obviously, an area where Juventus were famous for defensively over the last sort of five, 10, 15 years is Definitely now their weakest point are obviously Chiellini. He went to the MLS. Delict's gone to Bayern, and although they brought in Bremer, they haven't really replaced the talent that they've lost. And they do look very shaky now at the back. And it's going to be it's going to be a fight for them this season. You know, it's it's going to be between six or seven teams. But I truly believe that in terms of the title, but. Obviously, you know, seven teams still got to all try to get into that top four and Juventus could very well miss out. You know, they only just made it last year. So they're going to be in trouble. But for sure, from what we've seen this year and last year, we're, we're seeing more of what we saw back in the 80s and the 90s where you had obviously Italian football in the UK on Channel 5 when it was without a doubt the best league in the world. It's attracting the best players in the world. And we're starting to, to really see that now once again, obviously, the decline of Juventus helps in that regard. Obviously, you talk about the other leagues. We need, we need that to happen, really, to Bayern and to PSG as well, to Arsenal in the Premier League. Um, but like I say, it's, um, it's going to be an entertaining season, no matter what. Yeah, and I've just been looking in. I think Chiesa, I think the thing is going to be back potentially before the World Cup starts. And of course, with Italy not being involved, I think that's actually really good for Juventus because they'll then have him back. He'll probably play, I think quite a few teams are going to be playing maybe reserve games or behind closed door games to keep those players fit or match fit, the ones that aren't playing mm. the World Cup. And I think he may well, that way, that may well help him get back to, to sort of what, January, Serie A will be back. And I think by then, hopefully, because he's a player I love to watch, hopefully he'll come back and 
be the player we all saw light up the Euros. So um, hopefully, yeah. it, hopefully it's someone else that wins the league. But I would like to see Chiesa, you know, back to his back to his normal self and back firing to the player we all know. Um, but we are going to move on now to our second league, which is a league we've actually missed the last couple of weeks because Jonathan has been unfortunately absent. But he is back now and he will be giving us his take on the last seven days and the next seven days in the Bundesliga. So, Jonathan, the floor is yours. So it started out last Friday night and, you know, people didn't think too much of this game. Werder Bremen versus Augsburg, a newly promoted team versus another one that a lot of people think could go down this year. Uh, but it was actually funny. In extra time, Augsburg had a penalty to tie the game 1-1 and at least take away a point at home. And what happened is Rafael Gikovic, Augsburg's goalkeeper, actually ended up saving the penalty. And it was just a sort of funny moment from this past week where he then started, you know, basically waving to the ultra crowd behind him, the ultra fans of Werder Bremen and making gestures. And then probably about 30 or 40 of them jumped down from the stands and, and threatened to storm the pitch and, and attack him and some of his teammates. Luckily, they were held back by security and some of them, you know, thankfully did not end up going on to the pitch but uh it was a hilarious moment and a big win for Augsburg in a very very tense affair in those last few minutes probably the biggest game of this past weekend was Leipzig versus Dortmund Marco Rosa has just become the new head coach for the Red Bull club and hilariously the first game back is against Dortmund the club that surprisingly sacked him over the summer and Leipzig put on a show after their terrible start to the year with uh, just one win over a really bad Wolfsburg side under Nico Kovac to start the year. Um, they won 3-0. It was a clean sweep. Dortmund really didn't put any pressure on them throughout the entire game and uh, sort of a, you know, a nice little kick in the back against Dortmund for Marco Rosa, who then now goes this weekend to Gladbach, which is also kind of funny because Gladbach was his previous team before Dortmund, so I guess just two rematch games to start things off, which, which couldn't be a better story there. Bayern have their third draw in a low uh, in, a, in a row. 2-2 uh, to Stuttgart. Nagelsmann ended up starting some of their substitutes that usually don't get the start in order to rest them with Champions League play going on every single week. And it came back to bite them. That's, you know, three one-point games from uh, three contests in a row, and, and they're not in first place anymore. Union Berlin now very temporarily lead the Bundesliga by one point over Freiburg, and then comes Bayern and Dortmund third. So it's really, really nice to look at the table at the moment in the Bundesliga, but we, we all know that this will not last uh, too much longer. So that's what's been going on pretty much in the last week. Now, I've got to ask you about a couple of players, Jonathan, um, from an outsider's point of view. Um, first of all, is Sadio Mane, a player that we are, I think, really missing at the moment. Um, the stats tell me he's having a good start. Six games, three goals in the Bundesliga and five and ten in all competitions. Not yet a goal in the Champions League. But someone who's not watched by in the season, really, you, that includes Tuesday night for obvious reasons. Um, how has he been so far for, for Bayern Munich? I heard a lot about him at the start. I think he scored in his first two games, but I've not really heard much since. How's he been playing for Bayern Munich so far? 
I think he's been decent, you know, outside of those first couple of games where he did look really, really good. The goals have sort of dropped. He hasn't been as efficient in recent weeks. And so I think a few of the Bayern fans, especially from what I've seen on Twitter, would like to see a lot more from him. But at the same time, he's getting into a new club and a new league. And, you know, I think from what I've seen in, in league play, at least, he's had four or five goals uh, withdrawn due to VAR, whether it's offsides or foul in the buildup play. But I think he's been decent. But overall, I think some of the Bayern fans haven't been happy with how the team have been playing overall with these three draws in a row, which I think is kind of hurting his stock at the minute. But yeah, I mean, you can see just how important he was to Liverpool are really struggling to start the year. Yeah, and I'd hate to say so far, I don't think Darwin Nunes is all that, if I'm honest. Um, the other player I wanted to ask about... Well, I just had a quick Should they bring in um, Johnson from Nottingham Forest to solve their problem? I heard he's been scoring a lot of goals. I'm going to say that he's only got was it one less than um, Jesus. I know it's just Jesus <laughs> does a lot of stuff off the ball, but I've got a feeling if I'm wrong, Jesus has three and Johnson has two. I could be wrong on that, Ryan and Naeem, but um, is that right? He's got three goals so far in the league for Arsenal? I guess. Yeah, he's called twice against Leicester. Once against um, someone else, isn't it? Was he? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah like, I think he did. Yeah. He didn't score in the first game, didn't score against United. Um, if you're asking if I'm feeling uncomfortable around it already, Andy, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, I mean, I'm fully expecting to be paying that money to you. But also get money back from that when City win the Champions League off Naeem. But I just think that it's not guaranteed. I think it's seen the really guaranteed after the last game, especially, and after the first three games, the Bournemouth game as well. But, you know, the goals have dried up, and you know, he's doing a lot of good stuff without scoring. In terms of the, the bet we've got on the goals, I don't think it's as a dead set as it seems. So I'm, I'm sort of secretly rooting for Forrest, apart from when they play Ed, because I want Johnson just to mash it apart but obviously speaking of Forest, um they're obviously one of their big signings this season was Teo Woney who's not even making the bench well he's been, sorry, making the start line he's often been on the bench this season for Forest, and he obviously got a lot of goals last year I think it was 15 league goals for the also Union Berlin who currently topped the league so how have they done it even though they've lost who was I assume from that number their top scorer if not second top scorer last season for them to be you know doing what they're doing without their main goal scorer how have they done it? Yeah, they've brought in a guy named Jordan, who we've, after many weeks, we figured out just wants to go by Jordan. He's actually an American. He came over from Young Boys, I think about five, six million euros as sort of his replacement. He's a bit different because I wouldn't think Awani is, is a complete number nine. He's, he's a bit quicker and he doesn't play in a true number nine role, but Jordan is a clear striker. And he's actually fitting in so well. He did miss a penalty this past weekend, but his combination play with Sherado Becker, who's one of the fastest players in the, in the league, allows Sherado Becker to go out wide, come in. And now that there's a target man in the middle of the box, um, yeah, you know, and are, are off to a great start. And it just shows how unbelievable of a job Urs Fisher has done. This is a team that only got promoted into the first division a couple of years ago. Uh, they stayed up their first year, then they went to the Conference League. Now they're in the Europa League, and now they're first in the table. It's um, it's unbelievable, and I can't imagine the pain that uh, Hertha Berlin fans are going through right now with, you know, relegation uh, possibly awaiting them again this year. We'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah, you just reminded me, actually, um, you mentioned obviously the American player there, uh, Jordan. Um, I started watching, actually, recently on, on Apple TV, Ted Lasso. Have any of you watched that at all? <laughs> I've watched the first two seasons, yeah. It's, it's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, I've just... I'm, I'm very close to finishing the first series. And I've got to say, I've absolutely loved it. I thought it'd been, it's been really good, and I think I'll probably watch a few more tomorrow night. But um, have you boys watched it, not even, Ryan? I watched the first episode, but yeah, I need to go back to watching it, to be fair. It was good, to be fair. So, yeah, definitely. I didn't know there was two seasons of it, to be fair. But, yeah. yeah. How about you, Ryan? Have you delved into a bit of Ted Lasso? No. Oh. <laughs> if you want to say a listing and hasn't watched it yet, um, I will just go ahead and watch it. And I will say... Big up Roy Kent, was it Roy Kent? I don't know how you say his name, but I'm a big yeah. fan of his character. But um, anyway, moving on, um, it's a nice segue to our next league, which is all events going on in England. Uh, of course, as you know, the game didn't go last weekend because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And the games went ahead, are going ahead as planned on the weekend coming up, but it will be without a few games. Brighton Palace has been postponed actually before the Queen died. It was due to... There was a rail strike, which has been the theme of my time when I was living in Brighton. Seems to be a train strike every weekend. So that's cancelled that game on the Saturday. And then Sunday, the two games that have been cancelled are Manu against Leeds at Old Trafford and Chelsea against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. But there are still seven games to go ahead this weekend. And I think I picked out three games I think we're all going to want to watch. The first is on Friday. There's actually two games on a Friday, which is very rare to have two games on Friday. Um, Southampton against Villa. Now, pick this one for a biased reason, because I want to see Steven Gerrard do well, and I think he's under a lot of pressure. But if he wins this, they'll go 11 points with Southampton and above them due to goal difference. So I think if he can get a win there, I think it's going to be fantastic for the team's confidence and for his confidence and to ease the pressure from the fans. But also if they lose, it's a big loss because I think that could bring some even more pressure, especially with the two-shot sacking recently. You know, owners these days aren't, are quick to um, get rid of managers. So I think, t- in terms of that point of view, I think it's a really important game for Villa to try and get a win, try and please the fans. Uh, my second game I want to focus on is the half-12 game on the Saturday at Molyneux as Wolves take on Matati. Now, this isn't because of Haaland, because of De Bruyne and Matati's greatness, or even Wolves' good defensive work under large. It's because we could see the debut for Wolves of Diego Costa, which for me is... A transfer I still can't get around because, first of all, he isn't Portuguese, which is a shock for a Wolves player not to be Portuguese. But I just think that he's a player that you love to have on your team, but you hate playing against. He's one of those players, a bit like Suarez as well. Uh, he's a player that he's box office in terms of, I don't know what now, he's quite old now, but in his prime, Costa was for me one of my favourite players to watch. He was strong. He was just like, he was, he was a pantomime villain, I do get that. And he was horrible to play against. I used to shout, hills of abuse against him whenever he played us but you can't knock the talent he had and I'm really intrigued and excited to see what he can do for this Wolves team I think they are missing a striker sadly Jimenez isn't the player he wants well I think he's still getting back to you know his pre-injury self but I think having someone that they were missing that against Tottenham especially when they lost 1-0 at the Tottenham Stadium I think getting someone in who has got the history a pedigree of scoring goals like him I think that if he can be back and be half the player he was at Chelsea and Atletico, I think they've got a fantastic signing there. And I think he's going to be great to see in the Premier League. Back, Good to see him back. Um, and then finally, my final game is going to be Brentford against Arsenal. 
Um, Brentford, obviously, yeah, striker Ivan Tony is in fantastic form, scored one of the best hat-tricks I've ever seen. Um, he's obviously got his first England call-up as well. And I think it's a big test for Arsenal because they lost, obviously lost to Man U. Um, and it's probably less, it's, 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 it's a big test because Brentford, you know, they're, they're no mugs. They're a good team and they've got some good players there that could test Arsenal. I think Arsenal as well, if they're at their best, they proved this year when they have been at their best, they're a great team to watch. I think in terms of a footballing point of view, you're going to get a good game regardless. I think both teams play the right way. And I think I'm looking forward to seeing whether Brentford can shock again, like against Man U earlier on in the season. Can they do it again and beat one of the big teams again? So I think that's a game that I think I'm really looking forward to on the Sunday. Uh, other games at Everton-West Ham on the Sunday. And then Saturday, Spurs-Leicester, Newcastle-Bournemouth, the Eddie Howe derby. And then Saturday, Friday, the same day as Villa, Southampton, the same time as well is Forest Fulham, uh, Mitrovic in fine form. Brennan Johnson hopefully can level our bets. And I think it's going to be a good weekend to have back in the Premier League. Um, but we are going to head to our final league, which of course is La Liga. So Naeem, what's been happening and what have we got to look forward to this weekend? Yeah, so as I mentioned in my game to look out for last weekend, the first one was Espanyol against Sevilla. Sevilla actually finally did get their first win of the season after a couple games. They went 3-1 up in the first half, and then in the second half, it was a bit shaky, but they managed to go uh, win out for, uh, 3-2 winners in the end. So they've finally got their first first victory of the season. So props to them. The second game I said to look out for, obviously, was Cadiz against Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona doing well so far this season with only one draw. Cadiz, no wins, no goals scored. Um it was 2-0 up until the 83rd minute, but the game was halted for about 30 minutes as a fan actually collapsed in the stands. The Cadiz goalkeeper, Ledesma, he was actually one of the first people to notice it, so he quickly rushed to, obviously, the dugout to get the fibrillator and obviously pass it on into the crowd. And, yeah, the game was stopped for about 30 minutes, but then once it was resumed, Barcelona got two more goals and they ran out 4-0 winners. So, Cadiz, yep, still, still bottom of the table, no wins. Still no goals scored. They're having a terrible time at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's what happened there. So hopefully that fan will be all right. Um, I think they did get they did get medical attention. I think they did get rushed off the hospital in the end. So not too sure what happened there. But yeah, thoughts go out to them. And the last game was on the Sunday night. Uh, Real Betis against Villarreal. Obviously, Villarreal hadn't lost a game either this season. Uh, hadn't hadn't conceded either as well. But is a very good game. Real Betis were by far the better team. They had the better chances and they won 1-0 in the end. So that obviously stopped Villarreal's unbeaten run. Um, but they've only conceded one goal, so it's not not really the end of the world. But to go through some of the other results, both Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid won 4-1 at home. Real Madrid obviously still, still top of the table. They haven't lost any games. They've won all their games so far this season. Obviously, Benzema... He, he's still injured out at the moment. He might be back uh, for the weekend's game, but if not, it, it'll definitely be after the international break. Um, obviously, Almeria, they lost 1-0 at home to Osasuna. Getafe, they won 2-1 against Real Sociedad. Athletic Club beat Elche 4-1 away from home. Royal Vallecano, they beat Valencia 2-1. And Girona, they beat Real Valladolid 2-1. So the games to look out for this weekend. The first one is tomorrow at 8 o'clock, which is Real Valladolid versus Cadiz. Can Cadiz finally even score a goal or even get anything out of the game? Uh, we shall see. Obviously, Real Valladolid, they're not doing too well themselves at the moment. But 
it'll be it should be a good game. Obviously, both of the teams are down at the bottom of the table. Next game will be Villarreal against Sevilla. Villarreal, they've been do, doing good defensively so far this season. So it'll be interesting to see whether Sevilla can pick up their form from obviously winning last weekend. But I do fancy a Villarreal win. They've been they've been doing decent this so far this season. And then the last game is on Sunday at eight o'clock. And that's no, sorry, not yeah, sorry, Sunday, yeah, eight o'clock. That is the Madrid Derby, Atletico Madrid being the home team. This obviously game is not never really full of goals, but obviously when these two plays, obviously the tackles fly in, and obviously Atletico Madrid, they're currently seventh in the table at the moment. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to see if Real Madrid can win away from home without Benzema, but they've been doing good so far this season, so I can't see why not. Atletico Madrid, they're they, they, they're good in fits and burts, but with the squad that they have, they really should be doing better. So, yeah, look out for those three games. Um, let's quickly run through the table. Like I mentioned, Cadiz, bottom of the table, no points. Elche with one point in 19th place. Getafe with four points in 18th place. Um, so, like I mentioned before, Atletico Madrid are seventh. Athletic Club are sixth with 10 points. Villarreal, fifth with 10 points. Osasuna doing well so far, only with one loss. They haven't drawn a game yet. They're on 12 points, the same with Real Batista in third. Barcelona in second with 13 points. And Real Madrid are first with 15 points. Yeah, and I've seen here that obviously Villarreal finally conceded a goal, which obviously we mentioned in the last episode hadn't happened yet. But also mm. soon enough, I'm looking at their goal scores and goals against, and they've scored seven and let in three. They've actually got... I think you can tell what kind of win, win wins they're getting. You know, I saw the last one was a one 0 It looks like that's you can tell us probably what they're doing. But the odd goal, yeah. Do you see that kind of football they're playing? That you know that lasting and them getting results, or do you think you know a team that you know has never really been a team that's ever really competed for a title? Do you think it's just like you know the honeymoon period start of the season, or do you think they could go on and really surprise people and make a push for at least Europa League spots? Um, it's a bit like when uh, Ryan Volcano last season, obviously they, they were new to the league. They got promoted the season before and then they started off well. You know, those being in the top 10 for the first maybe month or two. And then after a while, these sort of teams start faltering off. But I mean, they don't even, the maximum goals are scoring is two in a game. So I don't know. I, I think they'll probably, they'll probably, they will keep doing well. Um, obviously they the only, the only team they lost to was Real Batiste. Um, Real Batiste are a good team anyway, regardless. And that was only by the one goal, same as Villarreal. So, yeah, if they can keep keep winning, maybe, maybe narrowly, they might they might maybe maybe able to get in the European spots. But I think I think once teams get into into a rhythm, then then we'll see. But I guess but when the World Cup comes, we'll see see where teams are in the table because they'll pretty much be halfway through the through the league near enough there. So. By that time, you're about to see what teams will probably get into the top four or the top six. Um, but yeah, they're doing well so far. So yeah, we'll see see what happens there because they they ended the season without a win in the last six games. So yeah, to start the season off with only one defeat, and they've kept um, two clean sheets out of the first five games. So yeah, they're doing well at the moment. Of course, you mentioned the World Cup. Someone who may be there has just joined, or say just joined about a few weeks ago, uh, Edison Cavani joined Valencia, which I didn't realise until literally about three or four days ago. Um, I think that's a good signing. I think that's um, someone who I thought was still good at Man U. Didn't really get the game time last season that he probably should have. Um, 
how well do you think how well do you think he can do at Valencia? Obviously, he didn't have the greatest of time at United, but what he'd done at PSG was good, and you know Valencia they got a decent team as it is. So I think yeah, I think he will chip in with quite a few goals. Um, yeah, to try and push them up to get into Europe since this has been a couple of seasons now where they've they've not got there. They've just been mid table or bottom half of the table. So yeah, on a free transfer, you can't go really too wrong. And yeah, strikers strikers at an older age usually do well in uh, the Liga. Look at Lewandowski; he's obviously top scorer at the moment. Um, obviously, he's exceptional anyway. But yeah, the, um, yeah, I think the league is a good good league for these sort of strikers to come to. Um, so yeah, they usually do well. So yeah, we'll, I will we'll have to look out for him. Yeah, see how well he actually does. Yeah, and who can forget? Of course, um, David Villa and Costa both their times Atletico Madrid, same as Luis Suarez. Atletico mm. seem to always have these old strikers, but they always seem to deliver. So, so I think yeah, I think it'd be good to say. I think he's a player that I. You know, Shane went to Man U, but I think, you know, he's a player I've always loved to watch. So I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's always a player you love to watch because I think he showed in his old age, especially in Man U when he did get games, that he still got that natural poacher's ability. And I think that's something that, even if your pace goes, I think as long as you've got that, I think um, that can really extend your career for a few extra years. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do for Valencia. But that is the conclusion of our weekly review of all domestic action in Europe. You will see us shortly as well for another podcast, which is our reviews of the Champions League, Europa League and the Europa Conference League. So do check out that one as well. Uh, but that has been the podcast. I've been Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Jonathan. This has been Naeem. And we will see you guys for our next show. <laughs>